We're so delighted to have once again Chris Reynolds in our pulpit. Chris comes from Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and he's not a stranger for most of you. You've met him before. He's been here several times, and we're delighted to have him back. So Chris, come and give us God's Word this morning. Thank you, sir. It is good to be here today at First Baptist on the Square and worship with you. I think that over the last two or three months that you have met all of my preacher friends. So if you say, do you have any more? I think I'm out. Um, but I am grateful that they have been here. And thank you for receiving them and allowing them to lead you in worship each week. It has been a blessing for us. And again, we are grateful and we are praying for First Baptist on a regular basis. You are in our prayer time and it's an honor for us. It is, we did mention Mission Georgia. Let me tell you, Mission Georgia is a phenomenal thing. It uh, focuses on foster care, literacy, uh, sex trafficking, pre- and postnatal care, and refugees. And as was mentioned, all the, the dollars that you give go to serve those areas. In fact, if you watch the Braves game today, uh, right at the beginning of the game, uh, the Atlanta Braves have heard what Georgia Baptists are doing, and through their foundation, they're going to present a check to Georgia Baptists to help us um, do what we're doing. And, uh, and all. I don't know if you listen to the Braves on the radio, but they've also given us at a very reasonable rate. Uh, our health care foundation now has uh, commercials in every Braves game talking about what we do as Georgia Baptist. So that's a pretty cool thing, and I'm excited to be a part of that, and thank you for being a part of it. Go ahead and take your Bibles. Let's turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 obviously is is a book written by Paul. It's written to the church at Rome and ultimately shared with believers around that region and even until today, we are learning from Paul as he wrote this. So in Romans chapter 12, I'm going to begin in verse 3. Um, and for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others." We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is service, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. And if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul has told us in this passage that we are many members, one body. Now, we can draw that analogy pretty well, right? I've got fingers, I've got a hand, I've got knees, I've got toes, and yet all of that comprised to make the body of Christ. Well, in the body of Christ, we have many members. He's going to show us that in many members, we have different gifts, or those different members form one thing. He says, as one body... I want you to function that way. I mean, think about it. God himself 
set up two institutions. He set up the family, right? What's the goal of the family? The goal of the family is to conceive, to nurture, provide, protect, and send out. And guess what? The other institution that he created was the church. And guess what? The church and the the family coincide with each other. It is the, the goal of the church to conceive evangelism, nurture, provide, protect, discipleship, to send out missions, Acts 1 8. And we are better together. When we work together as a congregation, we function as God intended. But here's the dilemma in America. We were founded on what? The Declaration of Independence. Frank Sinatra saying what? I did it my way. Um, I've got this. My two-year-old daughter, who is 30 now, when she was two, she would look at her mama and I and say, me do it, step back. (laughs) Guess what? She has a two-year-old daughter, and guess what? That two-year-old daughter told me Friday. Me do it. Step back, pops. I was like, wow. They talk about a flashback. You see, in the church, we recognize that we are members of a congregation. But because we're members and we live separate lives in different places, Miss Silva, you said it, we come together over 40 times for Bible study. We're the body. And here's the thing. In here, we're members Out there, we're a body. Because when one of us speaks about First Baptist, or when one of us comments on First Baptist, you just became a spokesman for the whole congregation. Many members, one body. We have chosen by congregational rule that the majority reigns, right? We come together as members to vote an opinion, and that opinion becomes a yes or a no, or no or a yes, but it's the body. It's how we function. And we need to understand what it means to be the body of Christ. Paul says, we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Paul is telling us that for our life to exist as God designed it, we need each other. This is awkward. But I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you need me. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty easy, isn't it? Because I like you needing me. Can we agree on that? Man, when I walk in the room and you need me, I'm like, yep, I knew it all along. Glad you finally realized it. But now turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. That's not as easy. It's actually kind of awkward for me to look and say, I need you. Because I was brought up in the same culture, the same America that you were. I've got this. But God in his sovereignty, God in his wonder, in his majesty, created us to need one another. The discovery for me sheds new light on Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 says, I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, 
3 through 8 says that I'm a member of a body. I apologize here. I'm a member of a body. I'm one member of a greater But now if I begin to understand Romans 12, 1 and 2, I understand why it's there and I understand why it's important. He says, I urge you by the mercy of God to present your body a living sacrifice. So I need to be surrendered. He says, I want you to be renewed by your mind. He says, I want you to be transformed. And he says, I don't want you to be conformed. Why? Because when I step into this building... I'm a member of something. And if I come in here not healthy, if I come in here in a carnal state of mind, walking in the flesh and not in the spirit, then I cannot bring to the table what God has called me to bring. A couple of years ago, I was on a ladder. I went up the ladder fine. I worked on the ladder fine. I turned to step on something that was there when I went up the ladder and somebody moved it while I was working and I fell and I broke my leg. So for eight weeks, one member of my body was holding me back. For eight weeks, that wasn't functioning as it should. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Don't be the broken leg of the church. Come in here submitted, renewed, not conformed, but transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. By putting truth into your mind. By going to the scripture. By having conversations with people, not about people. You see, because literally, every part of me can want to walk to that side of this stage. But if my right leg decides not to go, what? It's either impeded in progress or progress is not made. You are going through a revitalization process, refocus. Rob Peters is leading you through that. Rob is a friend of mine, and Rob and I have worked in multiple churches together, and he has led them well, and you have a good team of leadership. You are not all going to agree on everything that you think about, nor every decision is going to make you jump up and down. But remember, you're a member of what? A body. Many members, one body. He says that this is why we exist. So what are some ways that we can actually live this out? First of all, we have to admit, we have to embrace, and we must confess that we are created for life together. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, the more, as you see the day approaching. And let us consider what? One another. Why? To stir up love, to stir up good works. We had spaghetti the other night. Leftover spaghetti is more f- my favorite, more so than the original because the noodles kind of soak up all the flavor. In one, I put the meat sauce in the bottom and I, put the, I was putting it up, I put the noodles on top. In the other, I stirred it all together and then put it in the container and sealed it. 
the one that had been already mixed was stirred up for good works to make me, to satisfy my hunger. And it worked well. In the other one, when I chose to eat it, I had to stir it up. You see, in the body of Christ, there are ways that we are already stirred up. But man, there come seasons and times in life and in individuals and in the body of Christ in the church, whether it's this one or the one down the road or the one across the nation, that we have to stir. Man, stirring's not fun because I get settled in my ways. But he says, stir it up for love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of a friend. What are the benefits of doing life together? First of all, there's strength in doing life together. Guess what? You have survived 100% of your tough days so far. Can we agree on that? You're here. You've survived it. But I want to tell you, it is easier to survive many things in life when we have somebody to walk beside us. There's strength in number. There was a lady at the church I pastored. Her name was Miss Dot. Miss Dot was abused as a child. She was mistreated in ways that a child should not be mistreated. She's with Jesus now. But Miss Dot, even when I met her, she was in her late 70s. And she would come to church and she would call me and say, Pastor, can I, can I come just sit down with you a minute? She'd say, I'm not worthy to be here. God can't love me. You don't know how it's been in my life. She said, nobody wants to be around me. Well, that actually was very far from the truth. But she believed it so much that every Sunday morning she brought some gift for somebody to give to them so that they would speak to her. She thought that's the only way they would speak to her. That they would speak to her. Miss Dot decided one day she said I'm tired of this she came in and she said I want to know that I'm born again and in her 80s she bowed her head and she said Lord Jesus come into my life and she said I've been believing the lie so long that the lie is comfortable but starting this week I'm going to be in Bible study. Starting this week, I'm going to be around people. Starting this week, this is what's going to happen. And Miss Dot began to believe the truth that the cord of three strands is not easily broken, even when it was not comfortable for her. And I want to tell you something. She was like a young teenager she would bounce into the church she was beginning to understand God loved her she began to understand that people loved her and that came because there was strength in the numbers of the people her believing she was renewed in her mind she was transformed she was not conformed there's accountability When we do life together, there are people beside us that can walk with us and they strengthen us, but also they give us wisdom in our lives. I have a group of friends who are all former addicts of some kind. They meet together every week to ask the other one, how are you doing? Have you relapsed this week? 
And they've been doing this long enough together that as they live life, they're able to be honest and say, man, I'm going to tell you, this was a rough week. Today was that. But you see, they're strengthened by their friendships. They're strengthened through the bond that they have in Christ, through the bond of the church. But there's also accountability, and accountability only happens when we do life together. You cannot pop in and out with accountability because in accountability, when I make myself present, people get to know me. They get to know my strengths. They get to know my weaknesses. They get to know the things about me that are quirky. But yet we've chosen to be the body. But you see also, the benefit of doing life together is there's wisdom. Proverbs teaches us that plans fail for a lack of counselors, but with many advisors, they succeed. I so applaud you for taking this step of refocus. I applaud you for coming together as a body and saying, we don't have everything figured out, but Lord, we want you to speak to us because what's at stake is eternity for the people in our community and around our world that don't know Christ. And we want to be the difference. Oh, we're created to do life together, but we're also created to work together. Look, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do you understand that you can be united and not uniform? Uniformity is everybody looking the same, doing the same, thinking the same, acting the same. United is, in spite of our differences, we're coming together to agree that we exist for this reason and we will guard this reason and we will work together in spite of our differences to make sure that that goal is accomplished. I've been married 33 years. My wife is not a yes person. My wife has an opinion and she knows how to share it. And I have an opinion and I know how to share it. We have been united and not uniform for 33 years. And I would dare say that because of that, we've been able to accomplish many of the goals that we had set out in life. You see, when Jesus is the head, in cooperation with one another is the goal and the mission. And we're guarding our unity. And God can use us to do great things. He says, but you got to come together because there's wisdom. We need input. We need differences. But just think about it. God before the foundation of the world. Psalm 139 would say, before you were even a thought. He knew you. And it says that he knit you together. Now, I don't know if you knit or crochet, but literally it's forming you, knitting you together. 
And he knew what he created you for. He create whatever it was that he created you for. He decided to plant you at First Baptist Church on the Square in LaGrange, Georgia. That means that you are here not just as an individual, but a member, a part of the body. And whatever it is you bring to the table, God wants you to use it for his glory. Because you were uniquely created for it. And he says, we're created for life together. We're created to work together. That working together produces good works. That working together, there is strength in numbers. <laughs> in fact, our entire denomination is better when we work together. We have over 40,000 churches that have decided to participate in something known as the cooperative program. And while we are autonomous, we're united. In our unity, God has used us around the world and for generations to make a difference. You see, we're created for life together. We're created to work together. We're created to protect each other. Look at Philippians 2.4. Do not merely look out for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Hebrews 13.1 would tell us, let brotherly love continue. Ecclesiastes 4.9 again says, two are better than one. And then verse 10 says, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. That is a dark day in life. When you fall physically and there's no one to help you up, when you fall financially and there's no one emotionally, relationally, morally. Man, he says, have people in your life to help you up. Life together, working together, not uniform, but united for the purpose of protecting one another. Ecclesiastes, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I'll tell you about a gentleman. His name is Doug, Doug Barton. Doug Barton's with Jesus now. I met Doug when he was in his 70s, and he lived, I knew him for 20 years before he passed away, so he lived a long life. Doug looked like Colonel Sanders after six months in Weight Watchers. I mean, if you can just picture that, a skinny Colonel Sanders, the white hair, the white goatee, and a southern accent. And Doug was from Mississippi, and Doug personified everything that you would think about someone in their 80s from Mississippi. But there was a young man named Daryl. And Daryl was in his 20s, and Daryl personified everything that you would think about a young man who was at risk for being involved in gang life. But something happened in Daryl's life, and, and Daryl began to, on Saturday, he would bring his tithe to the church, set it in front of the door, put a note on it that said, I'm not worthy to bring this inside, and he put a rock on it. He did this for months. I finally decided I'm not going to meet him unless I go to the church. So I literally went to the church, pulled up a lawn chair, and waited on Daryl. I met him. I said, Daryl, will you come to church? He said, oh, I don't know, preacher. I just don't know. 
But sure enough, the next day, church is already going. He walks in late, sits down in the back. If there's a back corner, you couldn't get any more than where he was. Left early. He did this for a while. One Sunday, Doug came to me and he said, hey, I've noticed the young man sitting in the back. He comes in late. He leaves early. And he said, I think that I would like to meet him and invite him to my Sunday school class. I was like, whoa, you're you and he's him. Is this going to work? He said, Pastor, I promise it'll be okay. Sure enough. He starts coming. He comes earlier. He's moving up. One Sunday morning, we finish the message, and we offer the invitation, and and Daryl steps out, and he starts walking down the aisle just like a bride. He passes Doug. Doug grabs him by the hand, walks him down to the front. I don't know everything they said, but I do remember this, and I will till the day I die. Dear God, thank you that you have saved my brother. You see, we are created to protect each other. Daryl needed somebody to protect him. Doug, by the way, wound up with dementia, and Doug needed somebody to protect him. Guess who was part of the team that looked after Doug? Daryl. So I'm going to ask you this morning, who is watching your back? And please don't say just, oh, somebody. I think you need to write that down. Who is watching your back? Who is walking beside you to make you stronger? But there's even another question. Whose back are you watching? Who are you there for? We're created to protect each other. We're created to bear one another's burdens. 1 Peter 3, 8, and 9 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ. When do we step in? We step in when somebody's life is in a crisis. As the church, we step into their life. We don't pull back from their life. We step into their life. Now, sometimes that has boundaries. Sometimes that has rules. Sometimes that has consequences. But sometimes it's just present. A pastor friend of mine named Sam Evangelista, he's Filipino, his wife Virgie, had a stroke in the church service and uh, that he was preaching and they had to rush her to the hospital. When they got there, they realized that Virgie no longer had brain activity. So as soon as church was over, my wife and I went to the hospital. We thought, we'll be probably some of the first ones there. What are we going to say? We weren't. There were many people there. It's the quietest room I've ever been in. When we left, I said, honey, I just don't know that we even did anything. About two hours later, there was a mass text that went out and said, with your presence, you said it all. You see, we go in thinking we've got to say something, we've got to do something. Sometimes all we have to do is be the church. And it's not our words Although words are good at times, our presence in life with one another. We step into people's life when they're in crisis. We step into life and rejoice with people. 
We step in when they're weeping. Listen to me, that takes work. That takes a decision. It takes commitment. It takes the understanding and the realization, I am the body of Christ. John 13, 35, and I'll close here, says that by this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. In this season, the community's watching. In this season, there are people forming an opinion about God by watching you. You need each other. This community needs you. Guard your hearts. Guard your minds. And above all, be united. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be assembled in your house together as your family, as the body of Christ. And Lord, I pray for each member in this room. Lord, I pray that there would be a renewed mind, a transformed mind. Lord, that there would be a running from anything that could could cause us to be conformed to the ways of the world. Lord, with excitement and anticipation, we believe that you want to work in us. Lord, we believe that you want to work through us and into this community and around the world for the glory of of the name of your son, Jesus. Father, we need you. Lord, there's some that need you as Savior today maybe in this room or watching online. Father, I pray that there would be the realization that that you are calling and beckoning them and you're ready to have a personal relationship. Lord, some need repentance. They need to say, Lord, forgive me for, and they fill in the blank. Father, there are some that just need to be lifted up because life is hard. Lord, make us aware of the people around us. Lord, make us aware of your working in us. Help us to respond in Jesus' name. This time we're going to have a time of response. It's a time where you can come here to the front and pray. It's a time where you can have a conversation with someone who's standing at the front. But this morning, God is working for you and wants to work in you. So, in Jesus' name, amen.